Welcome to the No Nonsense Nutrition Podcast, episode number two hundred and four. Three. No, I was going to say two hundred and tres. Two hundred. I was trying to think of different languages with three, and I'll be honest, I struggled. And then you cut them with four, and it's now gone completely haywire. Anyway, hello Johnny, how are you? Quite rolled up, I think. There's a, there's a few things. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say on you. Is, is there? Um, is there anything specific that is not related to today's topic that has rolled you up or um that's not related to today's topic someone um what's her name ah uh, fucking hell do you want me to go there mm-hmm. uh I d- don't know it depends really yes <laughs> someone calling themselves anorexic when they clearly when they are clearly oh not. this lady yes Tess yeah. yeah okay yeah sorry I didn't realise that's who you were referring to okay that's, that's fucking unacceptable. It's fucking unacceptable. You are not fucking anorexic. You may well have got an eating issue, and that needs to be sorted out. But don't tell people you're fucking anorexic, because clearly, medically, not. Because and also being what's the anorexic being my under what? Um, I, mean, I don't actually know because obviously it's, it's you know anorexic. It's, you know, you know someone's got anorexia. It's, like, it's, it's horrific. I'd imagine it's like less than eighteen or yeah. But don't say. You you can eat it's all fine, but don't say you're anorexic because you're talking bollocks. But people go, yo, she's so good. Like I'm saying, she's so she's so strong. No, she's not. She's a lying fucker. I am. These kids, unfortunately, and if I look at all, oh, oh, I'm I look like her. I must be anorexic as well. They go to the doctors and go, I'm anorexic, and they're like, mm, you're not. And yeah. Like, oh, that was the thing that's making me the way I feel, the way I look. She's influencing kids. She's a prick. She should be fucking. Someone should say to her, "Wrap it in," because you ain't anorexic. <laughs> I am. Um, I feel like I'm the voice of balance in this podcast, and uh, I I agree that she can't clearly. She clearly can't be anorexic, given the 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 formal diagnosis that is would be required for that would be to have. Mm. Um, and I don't know what the actual BMI, but it's obviously a low BMI, which she. You know what's coming she, next? Sorry, the doctor. You know what's coming next? Someone is going to petition to lower the fucking the higher the BMI for anorexia. That's what's coming next. I guarantee you. Uh, what what I would say is, I mean, she's not anorexic and in recovery, as she's asked. I wouldn't think um, because you can't be anorexic at her size. However, I do think she she could possibly have anorexic tendencies or anorexic behaviours. Um, I definitely think she has some form of um, eating disorder, disordered eating. I think you don't get to her size without having some issues with food relationships um emotional stuff um i think very rarely anyway i don't think unless you just really really like food which let's be honest we all really like food so i guess it's probably not really an excuse someone can use but then i guess there's also probably people that do just really like food i don't know basically is the answer um i also don't know her personally so what i don't like is the flip-flopping i suppose there's the flip-flopping of her aligning herself to Hayes health every size is saying about how you should celebrate body culture and blah 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 and going and obviously now flip-flopping back to saying obviously she tried to diet and obviously he's now got anorexia um yeah but I, I did say any rod you up that isn't related to today's podcast topic which this is slightly related but hey yeah it is, like, it is, it is uh slightly related there is something else as well but I I, uh, I would say 
but you wouldn't he wouldn't appreciate it <laughs> okay well um let's not go there then because uh, it exposes many thousands of people all at once who like to virtue signal to certain organizations who then want to do it for another organization which is going through a lot more shit than our organization has gone through in the last couple of years you know, I would imagine you would know what I'm referring to. I don't know if I do, but we'll pick it up offline. How about that? Um, okay. Well, other than other than being slightly riled up, um, what, obviously no jibber jabber, please. But what, what's been going on, mate? We've obviously not had a catch up in a while, so I had a lot of guests of late. Back in the gym, all good. good. Surprisingly, right? I'm on the pendulum squat. I'm stronger than I was before lockdown. Well, as in you've built up to mm. that or you just randomly gone in and be able to do loads more? I've got, we've gone in and we've gone, right, let's just let's see where we're, let's see where we're at and we can like build a program to see that goes from there. Like, you know, so we can, I just done my, what do you do, 10 rep max. I'm not doing one rep max as you're like. And I was doing, what did I do last time? I think we did four bits of side in the pen and score for eight. We did it for 10 this time. Probably could have gone could have done 11 if I didn't, if I may or may not fall. I was on a zero RIR 10. So failure would have been 11. So it's, it's quite good. And generally speaking, I'm, I was as strong at least than before lockdown. So I was happy. Nice. So back kickboxing. And he said, well, why don't you just pay... 50 quid a month to have all the kickboxing, all the MMA, all the Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, and have the big giant gym as well. So, well, you know, I want to start doing more um, kickboxing and start Jiu-Jitsu. And I well, it's five quid a session. So may as well, I'll make the most of it and have the gym essentially for free. Yeah, that's banging. That's so cheap. I, I think the, uh, I, I said to you, didn't I, p- privately, that I missed the sign-up for the beginner's course of, uh, BJJ that is in or close to me so I was gutted about it. I missed the fucking deadline um, and I could just go straight in and, and just kind of join the actual uh, gym and kind of start rolling with people but I think my level of ability is still very much in that beginner category bear in mind that uh, I wasn't very experienced when I last did it and it was a long time ago so I definitely want to join a beginner's class to kind of go through some of the basics again and kind of just work with some people of kind of similar abilities rather than kind of getting my absolute ass handed to me the entire time. And I think that's like, even just joining the gym is like 55 quid just for the, obviously, and that's just a BJJ gym at a, um, I don't know, like a hall, like a gym, like a, a small gym in a hall. So I guess like the fact that you get all the other stuff and an actual big fucking warehouse bodybuilding gym as well is fucking well cheap. Yeah, it's fucking brilliant. He said, oh, it's going to go up to, I think 65 cent you could I said even that is still a good price I said but like because Shelly wants to do it as well but she comes kickboxing with me so we do one to one kickboxing just spitting off the price isn't it and we do well one to two BJJ because I know I know a boy who's is he black belt yeah he's definitely he's at least a brown belt and she does privates so I said I think we'll say go with him for a while if we like it keep, keep going with him and then learn learn the basics for a month with him because you, you I tend I, I want to go one to one because you learn a lot more in a session than you would if it's like twenty doing it in a class or whatever and go then for a month and probably hopefully carry on with one to one because you always learn more and then jumping on a the class then because they got like uh, 
probably 10, 10 jujitsu, 10 kickboxing. It's K1, so his knees as well. Um, and maybe four or five MMA is a week. Not like I could do all in, but I could do three. So it's, it's, uh, it's worth doing, and it's a bit more. Like I've been to a couple of gyms before where it's, it's a bit uh, non-realistic. You get me? There's like there's not much sparring. You're not getting punched in the face. It's like it's not really realistic. Like people do that probably because they enjoy it. And another thing probably because they want to feel a bit more confident. If if someone happened outside, they could defend themselves, which is fair enough. Yeah, yeah. But it's like you will spar. You are gonna get punched in the head, and you will go in the ring. There's there's de- there's. So there's definitely a difference between there's a difference in requirements almost that's like you say the audience some people might want to have something that is very recreational just kind of learn how to kind of I suppose defend themselves but then you've kind of got people that actually want to take up the sport and potentially compete or kind of get um, more involved in it which I guess does then require a different level of uh, competency I guess but nothing is neither wrong no matter what you want to do with it because it's also good fitness and it's about it can be enjoyable if that's what you like. But I want it to be practical as well. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Because cool. it's good and it's good uh, good fitness. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the, the... running and I can imagine you probably you like a very bit of running, do I? But I don't like running cycling. I'd rather do something that's like you blow out your ass, it's so hard. Yeah. I don't mind I don't mind running this. That's not I don't I don't enjoy the actual kind of uh, moment in running. Um, I guess this, this is kind of more the after effect of kind of the endorphins, the social occasion potentially, because yeah. obviously I don't, I, I'm very rare I could run out on my own. Um, but yeah, I think that's basically it for me. I think the hardest thing is obviously kind of incorporating anything like a martial art is difficult to then, or like it, or I suppose actually incorporating any type of different discipline to kind of like a bodybuilding program is so difficult because I guess like a lot of stuff when you start concurrently doing anything, there has to be trade offs. I think a lot of people don't realise the impact something have, especially something like a martial arts, which then does physically take a lot out. You do have to trade off a lot about bodybuilding. You don't don't think that you can bodybuild, uh, or you're not going to get the best out of both. Put it this way, I just don't think you can kind of do enough. Sorry, mate, I don't think you can do enough volume uh, in learning enough of a martial art for certainly something as physical as like BJJ or kickboxing or or even boxing. I don't think you can really kind of learn enough by doing enough volume at a fast enough pace for a lot of people anyway um, while also kind of doing enough volume in kind of a, a bodybuilding program I think it's really difficult I was thinking of this lately I'm going to start this now so I know like on let's say a Monday there's K1 at 6 o'clock till 7 then there's BJJ 7 to 8 so I can do them and I can then potentially do something in the gym in the morning, which is a lot of work, but I know probably won't be able to do shoulders because obviously your hands are up quite a lot. You can't do legs, there's no chance of that whatsoever after kickboxing. So I'll find something else, you know, maybe do some back work or something like that. But I know if the more you do it, obviously you get you get fitter and your body gets used to it, so you probably will eventually be able to do more in the gym than you would at the start because you're not going to wake as much your body gets used to it. But you're looking to be fatigued. Um, but yeah, I think I know for a while I'm there, I'm I'm not capable of being very big. Like, bodybuilder big is just not going to happen. So I can accept 
if if I if I end up going to like three times a week full body in the gym rather than doing four or five sessions. Yeah. The volume yeah. per body part low, but more frequent. So like I'd rather be shredded a bit smaller. I, I to be honest, I think you know, again, when I say you're gonna have a trade off, there will be a trade off, but I mean let's be honest, yeah. for for us mere mortals it's probably gonna be like a five percent difference like on either one, which is just not significant enough to even think about. You're better off looking at the enjoyment and kind of the other benefits of stuff like adding something like PGA in or whatever. It's going to far outweigh the minimal difference you're going to see in your physique because of your... It's not, let's say, you, let's be honest, mate, you're not stepping on stage anytime soon at Olympia, at, to be Miss Olympia or, you know, any stage, let's be honest. So, uh, yeah. You probably do change when you, when you get it, not a bit older, but I think when I was, when I was a kid, I want to be I want to be massive. And you get the point where actually, I'm going to the genetics be massive for one. And like, I'd rather be a bit more capable, like a bit more flexible, a bit more a bit fitter, look a bit better. I mean, when you when you were trying to get bigger, you look a bit of a bloated mess. You know, if you're trying to push calories and push away, like, yeah, it's not probably the best thing for you, really, is it? But if you're fitter, you go a bit of a combat sports, good fun, meet different people, and it's it's, it's different than it is enjoyable, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like like we said before, BJJ especially, there's a lot of things to learn, isn't there? So you you end up con- not consuming you, but you end up trying to learn that, which is good. Yeah, I do think you can go down a rabbit hole, but cool, good mate. That's a nice little update. Um, there is no real update for me, I think, for listeners. I think I'm just. As usual, going through the motions. So, say again. Gain taining. Gain taining. Well, well, probably more more gaining than than gain taining. It's kind of not quite certainly not dreamer bulk by any stretch. Uh, I mean, I think I, I I ran a 10k this week and I've made a post about it or not a post but a story about it saying about how it was my fastest 10k in about 10 months. I think it was um, 44 minutes odd. And um, I say the last time I ran that fast was yeah. I say. June last year something like that July last year and uh, I was like oh yeah at that point I was like 12 pounds lighter as well so I was quite happy the fact that I've managed to kind of reach that sort of pace and um, being 12 pounds heavier it's obviously it's, bear in mind that's quite a lot of weight and would make yeah. quite a lot of difference if, uh, in terms of uh, the time I'd be av- available to do now um, but then also uh, so again wasn't it was it Trent Sterlingworth that mentioned something if, if you want to get the uh... Fit down, you know, certain way, just lose weight to your times get a lot quicker. Yeah, well, yeah, and absolutely. I've got, I've had like two running clients that has, has made a massive improvement in their speed uh, just by losing some some weight. Um, but obviously, I guess that only that there's there's a crossover point where obviously you can only lose so much weight before it becomes detrimental um, to like okay. energy systems and, and I guess energy availability and that type of stuff. But yeah, I was going to say like the point of raised that was gonna, obviously I guess that made me also think about like. Oh, actually, I've not done too bad. Only putting on twelve pounds in ten months, in terms of my kind of like gaining, gaining. So, and a lot, a big, a big chunk of that was also at Christmas. Like five of that, I think, was probably around December time. So, kind of the two, three weeks over the Christmas period. But it is good going, isn't it? And you think, and because I think people tend to think, well, when they bulk, that you, oh, you know, twelve week bulk, I'll gain fifteen, twenty pound. Yeah, fat, yeah, you will, yeah, no problem. But for it to be proper tissue, actually, even, even. Twelve pound in ten months. How much of that do you think is tissue? Yeah, I, I, it's hard to tell. I don't really know. Um, I do feel I, 
it's hard I, I try to I, it's, I think it's, it's hard to think back about my last time I was this weight what I looked like because I guess also you do look different on the way up or the way down so like say like my current weight 178 179 pounds if I was dieting down to that I would look very different than dying then bulking up to that same weight um so yeah it's difficult to say I, I mean I've got to trust the process and think like you know my training's been pretty good I think it's been quite high quality um as in like i think it's probably been the best quality of my training career so i guess that's like an iteration process and that you will your train should you know always get better um over time and i know i've got a long still a lot a long way to go still it's not like my training's now perfect by any stretch because it's not but um it's probably the best it's ever been because i've just constantly worked on it over the past five ten years um so i just kind of trust the process really that when i kind of decide that at some point that i'll kind of do either a mini cart or diet down a bit. Hopefully, I'll feel like yes, I've definitely made some progress. But you know, even if a few you pound, it's good going. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna say even a few pound, I'd be pretty happy with. People are thinking, oh, that's not a lot. Well, if if, if you if you don't, if you went ten years of, you wouldn't have a three pound in ten years, but thirty pound. Yeah, well, as I'm saying, if you if you if you if you average three pound over five years, it's fifteen pounds of muscle. It's quite a lot for like a, a natural athlete. Um, and I guess even you know three pounds and then two pounds and then one pound over another you know few years or after that you know you then put on twenty twenty five pounds over that period of muscle it is an incredible amount of muscle and and the difference in terms of how your physique will look will also be incredible so but yeah I think all good really on that front just to kind of tick on the boxes enjoy join a lot of more freedom and flexibility with kind of food and stuff as I'm able to give some calories obviously a lot higher than they were uh, ten months ago. Um, late late 20s so anywhere between 2006 7 8 900 someday obviously i've had the odd day which has blown that out of the water by a long long way um but it's part of the process really isn't it i, I it's like a lot of things really those one days are not going to make a huge difference to the longer period as long as they're not overly frequent but yeah um let's we've obviously jibber jabbered a lot more than people think Obviously, people are going to moan about saying, "Oh, you're jibber jabber, just like listening to two friends on a phone call again." So, uh, expect some shit reviews. But hey ho, who cares? We uh, pretty much, yeah, we cultivate our own audience that appreciate what we do. And if that audience is very small because of it, we'd rather have that very small audience that likes what we do than we would be fake ass motherfuckers for people that want some different. If we've helped ten people in all our episodes, then. That's made, it? Yeah, it's made every every single minute worth it. And to be fair, we enjoy doing it. If not, we wouldn't have done two hundred and four episodes if we didn't. So, um, today like though, stuff. Mm. Apart from certain subjects, we're not allowed to talk about. Well, we can talk about any subject. Um, it just depends on how you talk about them. <laughs> Obviously, there is a subject we won't be talking about today, which I'm still not sure I know what that is. But I'm intrigued after the, the call to find out. So. Maybe uh, maybe if, uh, we'll we'll assess that and, <laughs> and come back to it at another point if appropriate. Um, but today we are going to talk about something that is blowing up in the industry right now as we speak. Um, plenty of people in the fitness industry have talked about and give their views and opinions anyway, and they tend to mostly I've seen fall under two two kind of extremes for the most part. Um, and I guess the topic is calorie labeling on menus, good or bad. I guess. This is a, and I will ask you that question in a minute, mate. So uh, poise that answer, um, and then we'll probably talk about it properly afterwards. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's just I guess it's one of those things where obviously in the UK especially that it's available in a lot of restaurants. It's not mandatory in that restaurants have to have it available on menus. I think it's mandatory they have to be available on request. 
but I'm not an expert, so I could be wrong. But I think that if someone asks for the information, so people has to provide it. Um, if I'm wrong and people know otherwise, let me know. Correct me. But so yeah. Um, but I think obviously it's going to be different around the world. What can and can't do. Um, and I guess I wanted to talk about kind of the evidence about whether it's effective, efficacious. Um, and I guess there are there is a bit nuanced in terms of what what are we measuring by effective as well. So we'll kind of talk about kind of you know what what we want to see or what we mean by effective um and there may be a little bit on an alternative view um and we'll see where we go but johnny good or bad it depends johnny it it, it does yeah and i'm thinking well, the first question we ask what is their purpose of doing it mm. as in do they are they doing it so they think that if people are aware of what they're eating, they won't eat as much, so they lose weight. Or is it just a more of an educational thing? Think well, actually that burger there's two and a half thousand calories or whatever, and they make me went, oh, actually, well, it's much more than I thought. Actually, maybe I'll be more aware of that. But I'm someone else or whatever. So what's the goal? You know, what is their mandate? Yes, and I guess. On- that that is the question I mean around kind of what how do we determine whether you know what is what 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 is effective as in what is the effective outcome we're looking for like you say, um, I guess there's like a, a, so I guess maybe this lead on to what people are talking about and I guess that will determine what people as in you know what I've seen in the industry and obviously you know I only see my own echo chambers so um, obviously just bear that in mind that what we talk about is based on our own views on our own echo chambers and what we see are like online and fit pros in the industry and the people we follow and that type of stuff. So it may not align with your own um, if you follow a different individual or echo chamber type of people. So just bear that in mind. But um, I've basically seen two things, really, two extremes. One extreme is very much the, um, so kind of, I guess, like your very basic average fit pro that is kind of almost pro calorie labeling on the basis of, yeah, man, education, people should know what they're doing calorie fucking deficit that's what matters and people should you know it, people need to fucking grow up stop eating like dickhead and stop eating the 3000 burger 3000 calorie burger from weatherspoon so they need to see it on the menu type of thing so that's kind of like one angle that i've seen like purported um purported is that the word uh basically spread around the other side which and i do kind of um purposely expose myself to this is kind of the the anti-diet crew the uh i suppose the the, the health at every size type um crew where i guess they feel like the inclusion of me- uh, calorie labeling on menus exacerbates disordered eating in individuals and exacerbates eating disorders that is not a positive thing and that you know basically calories shouldn't matter I guess like for me i feel like oh these there's two quite extreme views here um both probably have some relevance both probably have some some kind of positive aspects but perhaps it's not the full story it's kind of what i feel how i feel which is generally how i feel on most things let's be honest i don't i don't tend to fall in any boxes the people that know me um hopefully people listen long enough kind of understand that my views tend to flitter around a bit very disjointed potentially um and often then just eventually just kind of go up in the air and fall somewhere in the middle so Here's the, here's, here's the question for you. What are they doing in supermarkets? As in? Most of their food is labelled. Well, yeah, I think um, they obviously have to have the nutritional information. Um, yeah. I think it's, it's ve- this is very specific, though, in that... Yeah. Um, 
I understand, I guess, you know, the comparison saying, well, you know, no one gives a fuck about the fact that you pick up a bag of rice and it says 100 grams X amount of calories, right? Or even per serving size. Although I guess that is also why they are starting to include things like traffic light systems and stuff. And again, I guess the the Hayes side, the anti-diet crew, are they complaining that, oh, that's going to cause eating disorders because all of a sudden there's a traffic light system on it? I don't know. I don't know, really. I don't know if that's ever been said or whether I feel like it's even a, a valid um, comment. But yeah, I don't know. Because um, people go in there and they can choose and they can go and choose anything they want, and most people don't look, even look at it. So there may be this calories on the menu, but one, are people going to look at it? Even two, are they going to give a fuck? Yeah, well, it, it's it's obviously a bit more specific being on a menu with obviously far more limited choice of stuff yeah. like put in front of you. The fact that there's obviously many reasons why we eat. One of them is not necessarily energy density of food that it should be enjoyment and of the fact that we're potentially uh, i guess aligning what could be kind of guilt inducing information to certain individuals around the the energy density of those foods is it a positive thing i don't know and i guess we're kind of we're getting into a bit of the weeds at the minute aren't we which i suppose we probably don't really want to quite get there yet but and i also don't know the answers in fact i think i can almost say in this podcast throughout the rest of this episode if you're looking for an answer hang up now because you're probably not going to get an answer let's be honest because i don't think there's one exists and i certainly don't think that we're probably informed enough to to have a, a real expert opinion but if you're looking for a bit of just conversation stay with us anyway you i know, think nothing's no, no one thing suits everybody does it no you're never yeah. gonna get a direct answer for anything, no. but probably much anything you no, and that's definitely going to, I think, be part of the theme of some of the stuff we're going to talk about. I know that. Um, but I think just actually I never really answered or said about the question about the, t- the way of, of kind of how we were going to measure the efficacious effect of something in terms of calorie labelling. And I think there's the, the thing I think most people are going to consider or think would be w- what we're looking for is a reduction of calorie intake, I suppose. That's the thing we're going to be measuring in terms of whether putting menus uh, with calories available to people, is it going to reduce the amount of people what people eat? And I guess, like, what's your personal experience? Like, not not as in, yeah, but I want to know what your personal opinion is in terms of what you do, not what you think people do. What I do when I go into a restaurant. Yeah. Um. Like, but basically, do, would it put you off? Like, what do you, what what is your experience of seeing calories on a menu? I know it's I know it's obviously a difficult question given your education and your knowledge, the fact that you don't have potentially eating. Uh, food relationships uh, issues but I'd like to know just kind of like what, what does it make you do I prefer it it doesn't does it influence what I eat I would say so but it depends where I am in my life at the time if I'm trying to lose then if I see a carry member the burger I want is 15 calories I probably want it there yeah. but if there's something like a chicken burger let's say it's 900 i'll eat that do, do do you think it negatively influences you in that i guess there's the, the positive aspect if you obviously have a goal of looking after your physique in some way which obviously then requires some form of energy uh, i gonna say restriction but energy awareness let's say that rather than restriction do you think the fact that you see a, a menu with food on that then puts you off eating that food like you just said do you think that's a negative thing and it negatively affects your life in any way? No, because I don't care. Well, it doesn't make you feel guilty, think, or not guilty. It doesn't make you feel like you're missing out maybe potentially no. because you would have wanted the 1,300-calorie burger or whatever it was, but you are now gone for a 600-calorie or, or a lower one because you suddenly feel like you're making a better choice, but it's not the one you wanted. 
not no, not at all. I don't if I, I, I don't miss out you because you'd have an opportunity again to do the same thing if you want to. It's all about your choice, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, to eat the bit. I would rather see the calories so I can see, so I could eat a bit less potentially. But if I'm if I'm like maintaining, then I eat what I want anyway. Yeah. Not I, really look at them calories. I go, oh, that's interesting. That burger's fucking much more than I thought. I'm like sleeping anyway. Hmm. Depends where I am in. Uh, what I'm doing at the time. Mm. If I'm dyed in to go on holiday or whatever, I probably go for the lower calorie stuff. I don't. I'm not going to miss out because I don't give a shit. Yeah, I think it's in, it's it, it's interesting because your answer is very much someone that with the education, the knowledge, and clearly no real issues, and that comes across. I think the way you just said it, and obviously for you it works perfectly. Then I think obviously if you take your situation out and put someone with a history of disordered eating or eating disorders, the answer changes quite a lot. Is my opinion. I think it probably means actually all of a sudden people will they'll either just go fuck it and go on a binge episode, or they'll have this issue of I've you know I'm going to pick the the better option in air quotes, and then feel like shit because it wasn't the food that I really wanted, and you know I'm the worst person in the world because I can't have all these foods and everyone else can type mentality, mm. which is obviously a difficult place for someone to be in. I think it's also hard if you're not there to understand why someone would regret not eating a burger because there's so many calories. I don't understand why you would regret it because I'm not, th- I'm not that person. No, like, no. If you just go out again in a fortnight and then have a burger. But obviously, I can't, I'm not, I can't walk in their shoes because I'm not them. No. I mean, you can, you, obviously, you've had these conversations with clients, no doubt, a billion times around where someone said to you about they're going out for food and, and obviously they feel like they're having to restrict or miss out and obviously it's, it's a difficult conversation to have for someone isn't it because like you say it's not your experience so it's difficult to put yourself in their shoes we've talked me and Sarah have talked about this um, recently actually obviously because of the Covid malarkey and obviously she hasn't got any disorder um, <clears throat> because of the Covid and she hasn't seen certain friends or certain family for maybe up to a year and she's currently um, dieting on a fairly aggressive temporary period just to get rid of a, a bit a bit more weight a bit more quickly just to get the maintenance or she can relax a bit I'm going to go out what day was it whatever it was Saturday I'm going to go out I'm going to have food I don't particularly want to drink but I'm with all my friends or family wherever it was and I don't want to miss out I'm like do what you want I said you know the score do what you want. If you overconsume, you're going to be heavier the next day. So don't bother if I can weigh in because you're going to do your head in. But be, what I say, what, what would you rather? Spend time with your mates and eat what you want or fucking worry about fucking 300 calories a year or 400 calories a year. It's like, just eat what you want, do what you want. You don't do it all the time. Just get back on it next week. I said, life's more important, unfortunately. I said, don't worry about it. And she done it twice because once a friends once a family and at the end was she ended up being make the same weight or lower the next week so actually it makes you realize that you can't have these one-offs and the one-off doesn't really affect you so like, there we are then yeah so that thing was a successful maybe experiment i don't know but it worked yeah. but to me that's the mentality you should have if you're doing it like i said if you're doing it every day you can't do it every day because unless you don't want the results you want so some of those things in this, like if you go to restaurants all the time, then you 
you probably do need to look at what you're eating. If you go out once a blue moon, then you could probably have at it if your diet is good the rest of the time. Mm. Uh, so what's interesting, I found a study when I was looking at kind of some of the the evidence in, in this realm that uh, was... Oh, I can't remember the name of it now, but they, they basically took an online, they took a group, a, a, a quite a large group, I think, I can't remember the exact number now, but like hundreds or thousands of individuals, I think it was certainly hundreds anyway, of individuals that were self-diagnosed, admittedly, but self-diagnosed with eating disorders. And they were asking them around kind of calorie labeling and stuff. And I think one of the outcomes was around who wanted them. And they did say that more people with um, eating, like self-diagnosed eating disorders wanted them that didn't. Which is interesting, as in they wanted to be able to see the the actual calorie intake on, or sorry, the calorie co- uh, content on menus, which was quite interesting. Um, and I, I, I mean, I, I, I prefer to have them because I prefer to make an informed choice. But I also appreciate that I don't suffer with an eating pathology, so I don't have an issue with kind of picking potentially a higher calorie food off of a menu, knowing that that's a higher calorie food. Because when I know that anyway, like generally because I know the energy density of most foods, but. I also don't have a problem seeing something that says... I mean, don't get me wrong. There will be some meals where I'm like, fuck that, I am not having that. Like, I, I can't remember where I was. But I was in a chain... I think it was one of those, like a hungry horse or one of like the chain, pub chain things. There was a burger on there and it was something like fucking 3,000 calories for a burger. And I was like, what the actual's in that fucking burger to be that many calories? That is absolutely outrageous. Um, like, I didn't even think you could make one up that, that like that laden full of energy. Um, a burger. And it, yeah, obviously it's fucking imagine it's going to be an absolute atrocious burger which is another reason why I would never pick it because I'm not going to be spending 3,000 say spending using the word spend I'm not going to be consuming something worth 3,000 calories and get no enjoyment out of it no chance um, but anyway so um, yeah I mean I, I, I would prefer to see them or not but then I also appreciate there is this area of whether it could potentially be harmful for certain individuals now obviously we spoke before didn't we in the podcast around I guess the um, you looked up, so I don't know the the actual source of the evidence, but you said something along the lines of something like two and a half to five percent of the population have clinically diagnosed with eating disorders. Yeah, Is that right? no, yeah. but yeah, two and a half to five percent max, but you know, diagnosed, yeah, yeah. And I guess we said there's probably a lot of additional <laughs> sufferers in terms of either disordered eating or clinical eating disorders that this also relates to. So, I mean, I guess the the point there is that it's probably still a minority of people that would this would affect that if it was harmful to them i mean i think looking at the evidence there isn't that much evidence to show that and it doesn't mean it isn't because it just means there isn't evidence because obviously as we know um absence is evidence isn't evidence of absence necessarily but i don't think there's that much evidence that does actually relate the inclusion of of this specifically anyway the inclusion of calories on menus relates to kind of eating disorders or eating pathology or exacerbation of them so is a difficult one to say definitively yes this does cause harm to that population or that subset of of people although i think if you ask me my own personal opinion i think it, there probably is something to be concerned about and probably more research needs to be done and I've, again like there might be i i've had a look and i can't find too much relating specifically to this on it but and there might be more out there that i've missed but basically i think there is a, a lack of evidence in there so um so yeah, but anyway, I say the point is, I guess obviously there's a, a subset of people. We're not talking like the whole population, are we? I guess there's obviously some wider stuff you need to think about in terms of the whole population and kind of what these things might potentially have positive effects for. So maybe now is when I say about what, okay, well, what does the actual evidence say uh, for calorie labeling 
on menus and calorie intake. Hey, should I talk about that? Yeah. So I, I found a few studies, and there are there's actually a fair amount actually. I guess that like over the past ten years, there's been various law, um, initiatives, I suppose not laws, initiatives by certain parts of the globe, the US name, a lot of it in the US, some obviously within Europe and the UK, that have looked into this in terms of kind of public health um, uh, influences, or they've looked at it specifically in, in kind of like corporate businesses to look at whether there's some stuff they can do to basically help public health. And um, so there's actually more research in this um, in out there than that I thought there might be. But I found a few systematic reviews and looked through. Um, all of them pretty much uh, align in that it doesn't seem to have a huge effect on actual calorie intake um, by adding calorie uh, labelling to menus, which is a bit disappointing because I thought, oh, maybe it will. But because obviously we've both said it actually would influence what we choose. But are they just are they studying them when they go back to this, or they go back to the restaurant and they choose a particular meal? Most of them. So there was a, a large systematic review done uh, in the US um, by like it was some it was like 104 chain restaurants or something across the whole of the US, and they, they I can't remember the numbers now, but it was a ridiculous amount of transactions they reviewed, and they basically looked at a pre and post menu labeling. Um, transactions and they I think they basically measured the the cat the average calorie per transaction pre and post this this edition of menu labeling and then see what then they saw what the difference was um, and obviously it was a fucking ginormous amount of transactions like hundreds of thousands like millions probably I, I can't remember the exact um, data now because obviously I didn't look in huge amounts of detail but essentially the, I think the average calorie per transaction had gone down something like 60 calories though it, over that first year which is obviously you know, it's significant it's statistically significant but in real world pragmatic significance 60 calories yeah but you also think with the design and the studies around it's like well actually how many people are recurring customers they could have had a million people who've been here once and has it which is it's just affects if, if you're looking at you end up when an individual is reducing their intake by X amount when they go to this restaurant how can you uh, what's the word? Uh, not off. Yeah, I couldn't sort of offset for that then, because obviously it was a million transactions. I'm not saying it's likely, but it could have been nine hundred eighty thousand first and last time. So it's like, well, this. this well, this, I, the, the, there's a, yeah, well, there's obviously statistical analysis that goes on, which accounts for this type of stuff. Which I am not an expert in statistical analysis, so. Um, you have to trust that the the methods they use to measure these statistics were valid. Um, I can't comment on that area because I am a retard, uh, for want of a more PC term for in that area. So I really can't. Um, however, like I say, there's there was a couple other systematic reviews I looked at, all basically come up with similar sort of stuff though. And I, there was another one that basically said I think only two out of seven studies reported a statistically significant reduction in calories purchased amongst consumers using calorie labeled menus. So I guess like the basically what what it looks like without diving into the real nitty gritty weeds of kind of ripping apart the evidence and whether it's it's valid. I think we just take on face value that the current evidence suggests that calorie labeling doesn't really have an intended effect of decreasing calorie purchasing, um, ah. or, and therefore consumption. So, restaurants, yeah, at restaurants, but yeah. Obviously, what they can't control, and they obviously won't or probably can't ever study, is are people going there and again. 
I'm going to look at these calories. Or actually, that burger, whatever there is, whatever, so many calories. And they've gone back to the house and go, oh, I think I'll, um, you know, I've got to forget, I'll cook a burger. Shall I have a look to see how many calories in there? Oh, actually, that's 200 calories less than the fucking McDonald's or whatever. Does it make them aware? I'm not going to know the answer to this. Does that make them aware in day-to-day life? Oh, actually, maybe. I'll uh, skip around that burger because I know it's loads of calories, just like the one in fucking McDonald's. It looks like the same thing. So maybe it's the same calories. And then they go for something else. Does it change, marginally change their behavior outside of that environment, which you can't measure? I, I, yeah, I mean, I think it, it feels like a bit of a stretch. To... It is a stretch. It's a big stretch. Yeah. I... You can't say it's right or wrong because they're not going to study, are they? No. And I, I mean, obviously, like like with any study, right, there is a certain a level of applicability. It doesn't mean it's absolute 100% gospel. We And I guess, like, it feels even, you know, I, I suppose you, the point you're trying to kind of allude is that it's potentially a bit crude to say, you know, the average calorie transaction was X amount and then they decide to stick you know calories on a menu and all of a sudden the average transaction of calories was 60 calories less um but i think that's probably about as much as you're going to get in terms of i mean i guess you can you can argue that by probability the rest of the variables just average themselves out and are probably kind of the same both pre and post and it's probably right i mean you, you could then start throwing in oh well did 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 obviously the fact that the nutrition labeling on the menus mean that people didn't order less at their transaction but maybe the the knowledge of knowing what they've just eaten meant they ate less elsewhere and accounted for it because you know ifym bro and i guess you know there might be cases where that does actually happen you know down to the individual in like micro level someone might go well i'm not ordering less at mcdonald's because i know what i want at mcdonald's and i know what their calories are especially because it now tells me in the menu so the fact that i now know there's 2,000 calories in the burger i'll just eat less later on whereas when i didn't know i would have eaten more later on but you know, I think you can't really look at that individual detail, can you? And and then discredit this study because of stuff like that. I think that you got to look at it as it is. And the fact that a lot of these studies, you know, these there's three systematic reviews. One of them had like 104 different studies in. Another one, like I said, seven here. Um, I can't remember the third one, but there's obviously a lot of studies there which all relate to similar outcomes. You're probably going to say that is probably fairly well um, efficacious in terms of you know, it, calorie menu on labeling doesn't appear to reduce the amount of calories that people then consume and eat out. So, which obviously suggests that this isn't really a very effective thing to do and we're all arguing about it and maybe we don't do it. Um, Either me or whoever, the government or whoever's um, pushing this, just vote, like, you know, how many people want to, how many people would prefer to have calories in the menu? Yes or no? Don't put any, just put, don't put any reasons, just go, yes or no? And they can go, oh yeah, yeah. There we are. We'd go with the, we'd go with the democracy. We would, uh... bro. Brexit. You can't trust democracy to have logical outcomes. Is that because a lot of people are stupid? <laughs> it's definitely because a lot of people are stupid. I mean, you've only got to look at the latest election polls and the fact that the Tories gain seats despite you... having the most catastrophic response to a global pandemic. The amount of cronyism of handing money over to their chummy pals that goes on and has been ousted in Parliament, as in people being accused in Parliament, and they can't say anything about it back because the evidence is there that they've been given millions and millions and hundreds of millions and billions of pounds to their friends in contracts. Yet people are still voting for these fucking idiots. So, so suggest to me there are a lot of people in England who are dull. 
But do you know what? Do you know what? Do you know what it is? Do you know what they all say? And I'm 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 on no party side at all. Yeah, but I don't like Labour. Like so, that is your retarded reason. The the, an- the answer is always this. It's not they don't like Labour, mate. It's this. Sorry to cut you off, but the answer isn't that. The answer is this, and I'm sure you can agree when you say it. They all do it. They're all the same. Yeah. Well, okay, that makes it all right then. Yeah, let's just keep voting for them because all the same. Yeah, I was, I was thinking, I'm not saying Labour do a fucking great job, but I'm like, Boris is going to be the, the biggest bumbling fool. I, I mean, you represent, imagine him in the G20 meetings. They must be thinking, who the, f- what's the Conor guy thing? Who the fuck is this guy? Mm. And he is an absolute liability. He's a scruffy, horrible little wanker. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, obviously, we've gone way off topic here, but yeah. it is difficult to, to see. And the thing is that, actually, you know, we said, like, there are a lot of dumb people. Actually, that's unfair because there are a lot of very smart people that still oh. vote for them that aren't dumb by any stretch, but it just shows that the reasons people vote generally aren't based on intellect. Um, but anyway, by the by. Um, so anyway, no, I, I veto that idea, mate. I don't think it's a good idea. Um, but hey-ho. Um, what I think what I did did want to kind of go in this kind of alternative idea that I heard from Jenny Rosborough, who is a, a dietitian working, well, she works with Public Health England, um, but I think she either, I think she still is, but she definitely was something like head of nutrition for the Jamie Oliver company. And she's obviously worked a lot with um, the government and Public Health England and, and a lot of the court, um, governmental bodies. Uh, she had a big part to play in the sugar tax um, or you know, like that—that that her her role and her company had a big part to play in the kind of implementation of sugar tax. And I remember at the time when they were talking about that, and obviously most of us all said the same thing: "Oh, it's going to make no fucking difference. Like people are just going to buy the, just pay the extra money, or they're just going to, you know, whatever. They're not. It's not. It's not going to suddenly cure obesity because people are start drinking sugar-free beverages rather than kind of like full-fat coke type thing." Um, and I I heard her talk about something around reformulation, which opened my eyes a bit because that's something I'd never really thought about before where her point was, and this is to do with sugar tax, and it kind of applies here as well, that if you start selling companies, right, um, you're going to have to charge more for drinks, which means your sales could potentially go down for these kind of sugar drinks. Or actually, you can reformulate your drinks and reduce the sugar contents of these drinks and sell as many as you did before. Or if you don't, other companies will, and then they'll overtake you, and you kind of create this corporate competition. So basically what it did was, even though like, the the actual re- reduction of sugar in beverages potentially didn't have a huge like in, in, in um, a direct effect in terms of the amount of calories someone was consuming what it did do is drive reformulation by companies at a macro level which then takes out the almost the availability of like higher sugar drinks in the market which means people obviously have less choice and that will drive lower intakes and i never really thought about that the fact that reformulation at a macro level is actually fucking huge. And I guess that's the difference of someone working in somewhere like Public Health England where they're trying to make um, decisions or gather evidence or base their science on kind of like a, a general population level where they're having to do stuff like that to drive down stuff rather than thinking about the you know the, the general PT logic of, oh, you know, it's not sugars that are causing cal- obesity, man. Like, all sugars are fine. Why should we have to worry about what sugars we consume? Because I don't have a problem with consuming sugar. You know, that type of argument, what you tend to see with people. Do you get me? It is definitely a good, um, definitely good take, isn't it? Because let's be fair, you can eat really good quality food that doesn't have to be fucking stupid calories in it, and it still tastes amazing. There's no, I mean, like, it's some of these places, the, the calories are so needless and pointless. You think, where, where 
have where they're pulling it from, how they got so many, like, like, it's like a freaking Tesco sandwich. How the hell are you getting 600,000 chicken fucking salad sandwich? Why you wouldn't put in three tons of butter on it? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's just needless. It's needless. You can eat hell free, and you don't need to be eating a 3,000 calorie burger, like you mentioned earlier. It's freaking stupid. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I guess that point, like, applies here in that her take on this is that, obviously, this... Um, almost enforcement of making corporate companies or any companies uh, label their menus with calories might drive reformulation of their meals and actually might reduce the actual calorie in or the energy density of those foods so then you know people will have better choices or more choice of lower calorie options or um, you know I say more choice basically it, it changes the food environment because obviously all of a sudden there are less energy dense foods available to people to pick from because the companies have to reformulate to, to obviously help them not have to put 3000 calories on their fucking menus about a burger. You know, they might say, Oh, that's a bit high. Maybe we'll, uh, will you slightly lean them into there? Or we wouldn't, we'll, we'll, we'll take two onion rings out of that instead of 19,000 onion rings in there. Or whatever's causing that to be 3000 calories. I don't fucking know. They must've like, I don't know. It must be like 99% fat mince or something. Yeah. But there's, it's definitely there will, there will definitely be a good outcome on this. People actually have to think about what they're serving. I mean, because no burger needs to be fucking hell, fifteen hundred calories even today, really. This is to me. It's like I know that I know a, like a brioche bun might be hundred and eighty on its own. I know even eighty percent mint, eighty percent fat mints is still relatively fatty and it tastes nice. But it's on it. job done, anyway. well, chef, it should be a piece of piss, shouldn't it? The problem is if you get like a 300 calorie patty, which obviously a reasonably high fat content mince or mince patty might be two of those. That's 600. Obviously, a couple hundred for a burger bun. And then by the time you put in sauces and other things, I'm talking about a burger on its own. Yeah, and I'm just I'm just saying. Obviously, that's how easy a burger on a, in a restaurant can get up to you know a thousand, you know, even 1500 calories might start to get up to that sort of amounts. Um, but anyway, we, we digress slightly again. So yeah, I think obviously that's in, that's an interesting um, perspective on it compared to what I think most I've not heard anyone else talk about, and I don't think I, I, you can see general fitness professionals within the industry and kind of like the anti diet crew. Like I say, they're at these two extremes, and need, none of them are having this intake this sorry this perspective on why it might actually have a, a an effect on what calorie consumptions are because of reformulation rather than the direct effect of just making people eat less. They're just blinded by pushing their narrative what they want to push. Yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, and that is true. Obviously, like I say, the the anti diet narrative of of calories don't matter and eating disorders are the the world's biggest problems. And obviously, the the other side of where it's individual responsibility and you know pe- people should be able to con- you know work on their energy balance and know what calories in what things, and therefore that's the only thing that's causing them to overeat because they don't know what calories in them, which is obviously also horseshit. Yeah, you're quite, you're quite right. I'm quite right. Um, but yeah, I, I guess that obviously what we haven't really tackled too much on is the the whole eating disorder thing. And I did, I did, I had a, like I say, I've already said I had a look at the research available briefly and couldn't find huge amounts. I mean, I did see one paper that I think the outcome or the conclusion was like using menu labels to limit calories was related to binge eating amongst women and was associated with more weight related concerns, dieting and healthy weight control uh, behaviors amongst both men and women. So. I guess there is some there's certainly enough out there to feel like there either needs to be researched more or there's enough concern to think that we should be thinking about this um and whether like 
inputting or including calories on menus for everybody is a positive thing what i do like and shout out to mr matthew morgan because he came up with this comment and to be honest i don't praise him very much do i but i'm going to praise him here that he said an easy solution actually um, why not have qr codes on menus so that you can just get the nutritional information up uh, on your phone should you practically want to look at it so it's available to everybody um but obviously if you want to go there and not have it available to you it's not on the menus in front of you so you you can you know it's not in that situation where you can't pass it or you're forced to see it That's a good, yeah good alternative so if you do have an eating disorder you don't have to look yeah i, I mean i guess the argument there might be well if you've got an eating disorder you're probably not going to have the restraint or the awareness to think like i won't look at that because this could potentially exacerbate my condition yeah, that's true. And if you're someone who, do, who does maybe need to start looking at calories because you need to sort your weight out because you're unhealthy, then you're probably not going to look at it either. Because you're like, eh, I don't see that. Okay. Well, yeah, there'll be a subsection of individuals that just, you know, ostrich. Ostrich? What is it? Dodo? I don't know. What bird buries the head in the sand? Is it an ostrich? You know, dodo's part of the gone. Well, yeah. Just... Fun fact, side note, uh, the national bird of Mauritius is the ostrich. No, the dodo, sorry. Or was the dodo, I should say. Um, anyway, yeah, I don't know. Whatever bird it is that buries the head in the sand, I guess that, you know, the euphemism, the euphemism, no, that's not the right word. Uh, again, I don't know. Sorry, it's late. Um, burying your head in the sand, there'll be individuals that do that because they just would rather not know than tackle or face up to an issue that they might potentially have, which, you know, is, is common practice, I think, as a defense mechanism in many aspects of, of human beings' behavior rather than just specifically eating disorders or eating behaviors or... You know, obesity or whatever but yeah i think have we have we kind of not tackled it i think from the outset we said we'd never tackle this topic but have we kind of given a bit of nuance or a, a perspective of it have we given enough it's not it's not it's not as extreme either way is it no i mean i i personally would like to see it available at least at request in a far easier manner than there are i mean you tend to find like the larger corporate companies you can get most of them fairly easily now it's kind of well it's like common practice like if you go to a nando's you know they're either on the menu or you can get it quite easily by looking online or it's available somewhere um obviously in your kind of smaller independence a lot more difficult plus also there is an element of it's all handmade like how accurate is it really going to be anyway so there is also that argument which we haven't really talked about actually and now i've brought it up think well actually there is this argument of how reliable is the information to a lot of people then there's also then there's also the argument of does it really fucking matter because in the longer term actually the behavior stuff like you exactly what you spoke about with sarah in that as a one-off probably not going to make a lot of difference in the long term to someone's lifestyle someone's physique someone's whatever um whereas obviously if it's more frequent then it becomes a bit more of a problem but then maybe the the actual frequency and the behaviors are the problems rather than the fact that whether a calorie is accurate on a menu or fucking not so Oh. I mean, he went to like uh, a Gordon Ramsay restaurant. I imagine his ingredients are fairly accurate every time. I mean, yeah, as, as in slightly smaller or larger, but they're going to be within ten percent, twenty percent of these, which is on average is enough. Yeah, I suppose it's, it's like one of those things where small, you know, smaller portions. The fact that there's 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 less of something to go wrong, they're probably more likely to be accurate. Whereas, I mean, I don't know, assess the fucking portion control on a seaside fish and chip shop 
So, although they might be quite standardised, actually. Maybe a bit like Subway, where they have those little scoops that standardise everything. So you yeah. kind of get exactly the same amount of meat. And if obviously one bit's leaning over the edge, like tip it off, don't they? To make sure you're not getting extra. <laughs> so yeah, I guess there is that, actually. But yeah, I am... Um... That, that's probably a whole other topic actually accuracy of whether these things eat. and even the fact that i saw something um i guess there's this this idea of nuts and the fact that obviously i think it's well understood actually maybe it's not i don't know maybe I say obviously it's not but like nuts have uh there's a there's a lot of studies out there now that are showing the the actual calorie digestion or ingestion compared to digestion of things like nuts are a lot lower so if you eat almonds you might only absorb 60 you know 50 60 70 percent of the calories because the cell walls are quite difficult to break down and digest so um because you have to chew them with your teeth your teeth only does a certain amount of job obviously they go through kind of the digestive system and actually a lot of them just pass at the other end and there's certain foods you know the same could be said for a lot of high fiber foods the fiber is obviously undigestible so you don't absorb the calories in that's fiber and i think a lot of people have said actually there's more and more evidence coming out in those sort of realms that suggests that almost the measurement of a calorie is almost becoming a bit too crude as in like oh actually it doesn't matter now because actually you know we can't really know even though a calorie is a calorie we can't say a calorie is really a calorie because we don't know how much of it we digest we don't know how much it's burned i guess like i guess it's one of those things in the longer term actually it all averages out kind of anyway and i think it's it isn't too crude only if you kind of look at it and try to use it in in really specific accurate details which you then can't do for various reasons so i guess it comes comes almost into that line Imagine trying to work with your daily calories by thinking, right, take them out of this much fiber, you've got that there. So really, I can eat this many calories, I'll only absorb this many. You'd be in, yeah. you, it'd end up being a road to fucking disaster, wouldn't yeah. it? Well, you'd have to somehow try to measure your, you know, oh, I wonder, I wonder what the thermic effect of that specific macronutrient split in that meal that I had was compared to whatever. Like, oh, well, I had 96% protein and 3% carbs and 1% fat, so I now need to work out the thermic effect. And obviously, you've got different protein sources, so they've probably got different thermic effects for protein sources and whoa it becomes complicated so yeah i think there's a point where uh, logistically and practically it, it becomes a, a, a different kettle of fish but and, it, and, and this is this is what the old um carry in carry out doesn't work crowd end up going on to yeah we got this go this yeah but still doesn't stop the fact that carries in carries out is the principle of it doesn't yeah. matter what's in between the fundamental is that yeah i mean yeah. yeah exactly i think they miss obviously the fact that it, it, it the the principle is like scientifically accepted as a thing now it's just it's a bit more dynamic than people kind of think so it's kind of like you just don't understand how it works it's more complicated than we think rather than it just being as simple as a calorie investor care out because of like the things we talked about the fact that things are different like fiber macronutrients thermic effect of foods fucking almonds and their cell walls and <laughs> god knows what else so even the amount of calories people expend you know their metabolism change on a minute by minute basis so it can be very difficult to actually be accurate about it but that's why we don't worry about it because it is so difficult and we know that over the longer term things just average out and it evens yeah. itself out and it becomes usable so as every metabolic ward study that has tried to control for calories has proven thank you kevin hall right i think we got there mate i think that was useful nice to chat about it anyway um i don't think we really come up to our own personal conclusions other than i think we would both like it but understand and appreciate that pff, it's our own personal perspectives on it in our in terms of our own like situation and that there's probably bigger nuance that needs to be considered before we could say what's the right or wrong answer is that I fair yeah, yeah it's fair yeah yeah 
So, so I mean, yeah, don't want to get into the kind of like the disordered eating or eating pathology area again, but I think there's obviously a lot more that needs to be found out about that before, you know, people decide whether it really is a bigger thing or whether it's just something we accept and just say, look, there will be a subsection of people that it isn't, is a problem for, but because they're a minority and that the positives that might affect the other things is, is far more positive. Maybe we go with it. Um, I don't think the positives are very much the reduction in calorie intake by people because the evidence seems to suggest that 60 calories reduction, I would say, isn't that significant. But perhaps the reformulation angle might be more positive and more significant. So maybe that's the way they have to go. And that, you know, if it is, if it does drive reformulation, then brilliant. But... That would be amazing. I would if they change the formulations, definitely. Hmm. So thank you, mate. Appreciate the, uh, the chatter. Uh, hopefully the reviews we get will appreciate the chatter and not the jibber-jabber. If they Maybe do, like... yeah. Well, if they do, fuck them. Hey, <laughs> I sound like you. Right. On that note, should we sign off? Yeah. Bonjour. Right. Should we say bonjour? Bonjour. Bonjour. Thank you for listening to the NNN podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please help us by rating on your podcast provider, sharing with your networks, so we can get our content out to more people. See you next week. Mm-hmm.